Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. I do want to just bring you a quick, a quick recap. A couple weeks ago, we looked at, at Joshua's final words. Now, the words that we are going to be looking at today, this is Joshua at the end of his life. And I need to just like make this clear. Joshua has led God's people well. He brought them into the promised land. He is God's leader for his people. He has led them there. They have taken the land. They are getting rid of the Canaanites and every other ite that you can think of. And Joshua is about to die. Joshua knows that this is it. This is Joshua's final words. This is Joshua's final speech to the people. This is it. And we looked at how he first encouraged them and challenged them. You need to be obedient to God's commands. God's commands are here, God's people. You need to be obedient to them. And then, and then Joshua encouraged them, saying, listen, don't live how the rest of the world lives. The society around you is going to live one way. The culture is going to live one way. And Joshua looks at God's people and says, don't live that way. And then last week, we looked at how Joshua said, remember who God is. Remember God's faithfulness to you in all circumstances. And he brought them down memory lane. He, uh, we got a flickering going on here. Joey? Joey's back there. I, 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 he, he's pushing buttons. I know it. I just know it here. But last week, we looked at how Joshua encouraged God's people to remember who God is. Joshua gave them this entire history lesson about how God called Abraham and how God's people were, were enslaved in, in Egypt and how Moses came. Joshua was trying to help God's people say, don't forget who God is. Don't forget how faithful God is. He will lead you. He will take care of you. He is there for you. He is with you. Well, this week, we are going to look at Joshua's final words. And I think that um, we're going to be, be challenged and, and encouraged this morning. So I'm going to ask you to uh, stand with me as we read Joshua 24, verses 14 through 24. It says this. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faith, in, and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16. And the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the ways that we went and among all the people through whom he passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he 
is our God. In verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve. And they said this, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. Let us pray. Father God, as we look to your word today, Father, I thank you for the example of Joshua. I thank you that you worked through him, but Lord, that he challenged your people. And I pray, Lord, today that as we examine this, as we look through your word today, Lord, may you come and may you challenge and may you encourage us today. Father, we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Now, I, I do want to break this down for us today, and I want us to start in verse 14. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. See, Joshua once again reminds God's people of what God expects from them. He reminds them once again that, hey, where you guys used to live, beyond the river, when you were down in Egypt. And this is like a little bit important here because sometimes we can sometimes forget that Moses and Joshua are not that far apart. You know, like like sometimes when you're like reading like scripture, you know, you could be reading Exodus and then if you jump to like Joshua, you can think that this is like many, many generations later. Joshua is just a generation after Moses. And I talked about this one last week. Joshua lived down in Egypt. Joshua saw how the people worshipped other gods. He saw how the people lived. And Joshua is looking at them and saying, listen, you really need to serve the Lord here. Those other gods that you had down in Egypt, I really want you guys to realize you need to get rid of those gods. Those previous things that you used to worship, you need to move on. You need to let them go. You need to get rid of them if you are going to be God's people. And I bring this up because it's just important to realize that the people of God need to be always reminded of this. That it's just, it's, it's so easy for us to get distracted and to go down different roads. And Joshua, in his final words, are saying, listen, get rid of anything else that's before you and God. And then Joshua goes into one of the most famous scripture verses, and you have probably seen this on doorsteps, at doormats. Some of you may even have this sign up in your house somewhere. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love this scripture verse, but I'm also the guy that kind of gets like a kick out of like Christian, you know, like say like Christian things, you know, like there's just so many like Christianese things. And, and this verse just happens like, so, like as I was like reading it, I was like, man, I've seen this written like in so many different places. And 
You know, Christians tend to just like put up signs, and there's companies out there that have made a lot of money off of this one verse. Let me just like make that one clear. But, you know, just like the whole Christianese stuff, like, you know, how like some people have like Jesus fishes on their cars. I really like that because when they cut me off, then I know it was a Christian. I'm like, oh, well, you know, at least it was a Christian who cut me off, and it wasn't just, you know, a sinner, you know, so... By the way, if you, if you have a Jesus fish on your car, I recommend taking it off today. <laughs> but within Christianity, we have these like famous sayings, we have these like famous verses, and this verse is one of those famous verses here. But we got to look at the context of what is going on. If you look at all of verse 15, we will pull that one up there. It's interesting. Joshua says this, if it is evil in your eyes, to serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell. Joshua kind of gives them this challenge. Like, hey, who will you serve today? Are you going to serve your foreign gods? Are you going to serve the things that you used to worship, the things that you used to hang on to and cling to? Or are you going to serve the living Lord? And it's interesting here because Joshua then says, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is important here that Joshua doesn't say, as for me, alone. You know, like Joshua and his wife and his children They had this conversation in their own household, in their household, in their little like nest of people. They will serve the Lord. And I think this is important for us and important for us to be encouraged and also challenged, especially if you are young and if you are not married in this room. It is so important for you to recognize as you think about a household, as you think about your future household, the number one thing that should be on that list is will I find a partner that's on this page with me? Somebody who wants to serve the Lord with me as a unit, as a family. And I can tell you this is so important because I have seen many young people say, well, I I fell in love with so-and-so and they don't really love Jesus and they don't really love God. And I'm telling you, for the future of that family, it's gonna be a very, very difficult road. But, but I can also tell you, because my wife's family, and I've probably shared this many times, they come from like a long line of faithful followers to the Lord. We're talking both sets of grandparents, aunts, uncles, parents. My wife's family, I have seen the blessing when a family serves the Lord. It, it goes on from not just one generation, but it goes on from generation to generation When men and women say, hey, as our family, our family, we are going to be faithful to the Lord. We are going to be committed to who God is. And I would just, I would just like pause here and and just be saying, okay, this is like a famous verse, but really, really think about that. Do you want your household, your family, your future household to be people that are faithful together? Because you can't do it alone. And I just, I just say that here because, like I said, I have seen the fruit of a family that has faithfully served God from generation 
to generation. And the good news is, is that when you, you might even be a first generation Christian like myself, we have opportunities to be changing future generations when our household says, God, as for us, I don't know about the culture, I don't know about the world, but as for us, we're going to, we are going to be faithful to the Lord. So I just encourage you in that there, but I also point out that it is interesting here that we see a shift in this conversation. Chapter 23, chapter 24. Up until this point, Joshua has been speaking. Up until this point, it has been Joshua talking to the people. And the people didn't respond yet. And right here at the end of Joshua, God's people respond. And it's, it's very, very interesting. We see this shift when, when God's people speak. So look at uh, 16 and, and 17 and, uh, and 18 here. So Joshua says, listen, my household, we're going to serve God. We're like all in. Not just me, my wife, my kids. We're going to serve God. And then the people answer. And they say this, far be it from us, in verse 16, that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the people, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord. God's people in this context makes this great statement. Joshua, you're all in, and God's people say, Joshua, we are right there with you. We have seen all of the miracles God has done. We are going to be faithful to the Lord. We are going to serve God. Now, if I was Joshua, I would have been so excited at this point. I would have been like, man, I've been leading God's people for the last X amount of years. We have seen miracles. Joshua's at the end of his life. And wouldn't you want this to be the case? If I was Joshua, I would be like, man, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> God's people, they said yes to the commitment of following. They said yes to who God is, and they are willing to serve him and serve him alone. But that's not what, what happens here. I find this just, it's just fascinating. God's people are like, Joshua, we're with you. And then Joshua says this, verse 19. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Do you find this a little bit like ironic here? Like Joshua has been leading them. He gives them this final speech, makes this whole like history lesson. Joshua does everything, right? And then Joshua challenges them and they're, they like accept the challenge and then Joshua like flips it around and he's like, you can't do it. Like imagine being God's people in this like situation here. You saw God do all, all these miracles, right? Like you take the land, you walked out of the like Red Sea, like, like, you know, like everything. And now all of a sudden your leader looks at you, you can't do it. Like I would be, I'd be so like, discouraged. I'd be like, what do you mean I can't do it? You just told me you can do it. Like, say, like, we're going to serve the Lord. 
But then you look at me and you say, we can't do it? Now, this is like important to understand here because Joshua isn't saying like, hey, like you guys are just a bunch of failures. You're not going to make it. He is really encouraging them and he is really challenging them to really count the cost of following God. Because Joshua understands that words are cheap. Like anyone can say these words. Anyone can say, oh yeah, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. And Joshua looks at them, and he is challenging them in this, saying, listen, anyone can say that, but are you really committed? Are you really committed to the Lord? Because you can't really do it really on your own here. And Joshua's challenging God's people to the core of just saying, okay, you tell me you will serve him, but will you? Are you really sure about this? And it's such a challenge. And I can see God's people feeling maybe a little bit defeated, a little bit like, oh, what? But the challenge here, and it really is like an encouraging for us today. He says this, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your, your transgressions or your sins. We need to also understand when Joshua says those words, they're not literal words. He's using a hyperbole here. He's, he's like expanding upon like, listen, you need to be really committed to the Lord. And we know that God is a God of forgiveness. Look at Exodus 34. It says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The God of the Bible is a God that will forgive. But like I said, Joshua's challenging God's people here. He, he, is, he is really trying to make it clear to them. You, if you're going to say this, if you're going to say with your words you are going to serve the Lord, you better really mean it. This isn't just like, oh, you know, words just kind of come and go. Joshua is really getting down to the core of what is going on. Joshua knows he's leaving. God's people are going to be left there. They, won't, they will no longer have Joshua as their leader. He wants them to really understand, you got to be committed to the Lord. you got to be really committed. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of what is going on, you need to really check and see if you are going to be committed. Because it's going to be easy to walk away. It's going to be easy to be chasing after foreign gods. It's going to be easy to live how the culture lives. But are you going to be really committed to the Lord? Now, this reminds me of a situation that takes place in John chapter 6. And you might be, be sitting there thinking like, like, how does this situation in Joshua and John 6? So in John chapter 6, Jesus just got done feeding 5,000 people. He fed them. He gave them a bunch of free food. The people loved it. You know, who doesn't love a free meal? So Jesus gives this, like, free meal, and then Jesus crosses over a lake. And the people are like, we got to find who this Jesus is. we got to, like, search him out here. So Jesus actually ends up walking on water, and you see that whole like story. So Jesus crosses over, and the next day, the people are there. And they're like, hey, Jesus, like, we want to keep on following you. And they seem so committed to Jesus. 
But Jesus kind of looks at them and says, like, you're only really here because I gave you a bunch of free food here. And then Jesus gives this teaching that's really confusing to them and really, really hard for them to really understand. Jesus starts talking about how he is the bread of life and how he's actually the manna that came down in the book of, of, uh, of uh, Exodus here. And Jesus gives this entire teaching and the people are very confused. The people are like, man, like, I don't really understand this, Jesus. Like, you want us to, like, eat your flesh and drink your blood? Like, it's like this just seems like cannibalism, and this seems very, very strange to me. And they're very confused. And even the religious leaders, they pick up on this, and they, they start questioning Jesus. How can this be? And they're like, isn't this Jesus like Joseph's boy? Isn't this Jesus just like a regular man? And, you know, he's talking about, like, the bread of life and who he is. And in verse 40, 47, Jesus says this to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever. And the bread that I give you for the rest, and the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. And then Jesus challenges them. He says in verse uh, 53, so Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last days. For my flesh is true, true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I am in him. Now, the people are listening to Jesus and really like think about this. They didn't understand communion. They didn't like fully grasp like Jesus dying and uh, rising again. They just hear these words. You got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. It was very, very challenging, very, very confusing to them. And the religious people challenge them. But then look at verse 66. This is what it says difficult teaching, difficult to understand in that time. It says this It says, after this, many of his disciples, not just random people, not just a few people here and there, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They couldn't handle this teaching. It was confusing. It was strange. But look at what Jesus asked his 12 in verse 67, the next verse. Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Like, hey, I know that you don't understand what I'm saying right now. You will. This is a difficult teaching. Do you want to leave too? He basically looks at them. Are you still going to be committed, my 12? I love what Peter says in verse 68. It says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
We need to be really committed, church family, to the Lord. But we also need to understand what Peter understands. You have no other place to turn. We have no other place to run to in this life except for to the Lord. We all know this and what 2020 has brought us. The unknowns, the craziness. There's so much things going on in this world. Some things that some of you might be very, very angered about happening right now. But we need Jesus. And we need to be committed to Jesus above all else. Above where we stand politically, where we stand on just all sorts of different issues that are taking place. Are you really committed to the Lord? Can you say as what Peter says? Basically like, Jesus, we've, we have come to know that you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? And I challenge us with this today, church, because I believe we need to be examining our own selves and thinking inwardly and, and saying, God, am I really committed to you? No matter what happens, no matter what's going on in this world, kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but Lord, your kingdom is, is really a kingdom that lasts forever, and your words are the words of eternal life. And I challenge us today and myself, church family, we need to be men and women that are really committed to the Lord, that are really committed to his kingdom and his plans and his ways, and not have like one foot out of God's kingdom and trying to like maintain our world's kingdom, but having our feet and our hearts and our minds and everything on who we are committed to the Lord, regardless of what is taking place and what is happening. And I just want to just challenge you and myself today. Examine where you're at. God, am I committed to you? Ask yourself the hard questions. And I think that we as a church need to be just like what God's people said in Joshua. In, in Joshua 24, 21. He says, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. We will be committed to him. Joshua, you and your household are committed. We will be as well. I want to just challenge us all with that today. Be committed to the Lord. In this season, not just in this season, but in every season, in good times and bad times, we need to be committed to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray for us, and then we're going to have a worship team come back up and, and sing about how great the Lord is, and then we're going to pray over, over offering this morning. But um, as the worship team comes, let me uh, pray for us this morning. Father God, to, to whom can we turn in this life, Lord? Jesus, you are our only hope. You are our future. Father, we trust in you this morning. Father, I pray over our church. I pray, Lord, that we will be men and women who are not committed to you in words alone. But I pray, Lord, that everything we have, everything on just who we are, that our entire life will be committed to you. Father, you, you challenged us with that 
and Joshua. And I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women who live it out. Father, as we come and as we declare how great you are, God, confirm and challenge our our hearts and minds on these verses today. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.